This is Talk To Me. The official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Your host, Joshua Toomey, bring you epic rants, anecdotes, and interviews with heavy hitters from hardcore to hair metal. This is Talk To Me. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Talk To Me, this being episode 100. And 74 of the Talk To Me podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Make sure to head over to Metal Nexus for all of your news, reviews, interviews, and the archives of the Talk To Me podcast. First off, want to say condolences to the friends, family of Glenny from Skin Lab. I'll get a little bit more into this on our Thursday episode with uh, Glenn Benton, but I uh, just wanted to say that I found out this morning that Glenny, guitarist of Skin Lab, passed away. And he was uh, he was on the uh, on the tour that we did back in 2002, Primer 55, Skin Lab, Dope, huge personality, and and condolences once again. Like I said to all the friends and family of him, but I'll get into more of that. We'll play some Skin Lab on Thursday's episode, and this episode is another episode in the Rock and Pod Expo series. The Metal Cowboy himself, Ron Kill, is on the podcast this week. And I say it in the interview a couple of times, but I will say it once more. Anytime that I see Ron Keel is going to be on an episode of anyone's show, podcast, classic metal show, Decibel Geek, Cobras and Fire, whatnot, I will check it out because Ron Keel is a talker, is a radio personality, and knows what he's doing with a microphone. So when I talk to him at the show, I don't know a lot about Ron Keel's past. I know a lot about, actually, let me say this. I know a lot about Ron Keel's past. I don't know a lot about Ron Kill's music. So when he was a guest on the uh, Rock and Pod Expo, I didn't put in to interview him because I don't know a lot about him musically to say, hey, you know, on this album, what happened on that album and whatnot. But I, I talked to him. Uh, if you remember in the Craig Gas interview, I ran into him at the bathroom. And then I was talking to Chris Sinzak of the Decibel Geek podcast. Ron Keel was there. We started talking. He said he knew about my show. I was like, well, I know about you enough. Let's go sit down and have a talk and see what happens. And you're about to find out what happens when you know two dudes sit down and talk. And uh, I found out that you know he grew up in Nashville playing in the Nashville clubs. Told me about some clubs that I had heard about in the, uh, in the 90s, you know, from the 80s. And great conversation with Ron Keel. And I would gladly have him back on any time. Uh, the Metal Cowboy out, EMP Records, you can get it now, and then it looks like he has a new album coming out early next year. I mean, you know something's going well when David Ellefson makes not only an imprint for a label, but also makes an imprint of an imprint for your own band, for the uh, outlaw country that Ron Keel does. So David Ellefson believes in him, and he's a great guest. And once again, like I said, we will always have him on anytime he needs to promote anything. He puts the uh, hair metal and the uh, hardcore to hair metal in the intro to this show. I need to get a little bit more hair metal guys on just because it's in my intro. So let's uh, let's check out some Steeler. Let's talk to Ron Keel. Check out some of his latest out- Outlaw Country, and then I will talk to you guys momentarily. Hey, this is Kyle from Hell Yeah, and I'm with your boy Josh Toomey. We'll talk Toomey. Get it.
Are you guys sitting here at Rock and Pot Expo 2018 with the great Ron Keel? How you doing, Ron? I am doing fantastic. Thanks so much. I'm a big fan of what you're doing. Appreciate being on the show. I tell, I, like I was telling you a minute ago, man, anytime I see that Ron Keel is on an episode of anything, I make sure and check it out because you not only tell great stories, you're a great speaker, and you know what we're doing here, so it's, it's fun to Thank listen you. to you. I certainly appreciate the podcast culture and this is the new medium for guys like me to express ourselves, hang with guys like you that I know are fans of the music, and communicate with our fans and our listeners that don't normally get the inside scoop on who we are, what we're doing. Right. So I grew up here in Nashville, and about in the mid-90s, you know, the Sunset Strip kind of came to town, and you were kind of one of the first that kind of crossed over into that, like, you know, country stuff from the rock world and uh, you know almost uh, blasted through and, and broke through for a lot of guys in in the 80s era to kind of go into that country realm you know what was that for you well first of all as being an artist from Nashville and being the first rock singer that broke out of Nashville mm-hmm. with a band called Steeler back in 1982-83 yeah. uh, I'm, I'm very proud of that heritage and the fact that I laid the foundation here in Nashville for a lot of rock acts that came after me and when I moved here in 1979 right there was no rock and roll <laughs> I put together a band called Steeler and we were the apple tree in a cornfield we were the motley crew of Nashville nice and uh, with the pyro and the, the tight pants and the long hair and the earrings and you know the whole sh- putting on a show uh, playing all original music and we migrated to LA but Nashville has always been home for me and to make that crossover to country music was not as wasn't as drastic as most people make it. For me, I grew up in an era when there was no prejudice. I would listen to the Eagles and Black Sabbath on the same day. Uh, Leonard Skinner and, and Judas Priest. Yeah. To me, they were top on my turntable. So uh, for me, that that transition wasn't as drastic as most people make it out to be. Uh, I love all styles of music, and I love the opportunity to be able to to capture the energy, the excitement, the electricity of metal but also to tell a story with a song and to uh, create music that sings and talks about real life, experiences, uh, good times, bad times. Being the front runner of the guy that kind of broke out and did the country thing, I mean, you obviously took a lot of punches to doing that. Exactly. And, uh, you know, what were your memories of those of those kind of times? Well, you got to re- realize in the early 90s when grunge took over and metal was no longer cool, we all, everybody from top to bottom, from even the big guys, Priest, Scorpions, Van Halen, on down to the lower level guys, we all took a hit. And country music for me was a place to land after all of a sudden the record deal's gone, no more beach house, no more sports cars, no more, it's it's all, it. this is over. What am I gonna do? I picked up a guitar and started writing songs, uh, sitting around a campfire basically, and writing songs about real life and love and ended up being, I guess, what you call country music. But uh, to me, I was never really at home in either genre. And I I don't want to discount my metal roots or my, but I never grew up being a metal guy. I grew up being a music guy, playing jazz, blues, country, rock, uh, Zeppelin, Purple, and uh, Sabbath were metal to us back then, back in the day. And even bands like Zeppelin did a ton of acoustic music or 
different flavors, different styles. Zeppelin wasn't all Black Dog or a whole lot of love. Zeppelin was a very diverse band, which was a big influence on me. So I didn't see it as a total departure or a drastic uh, left turn when I went to sing country music. It was just a different side of me, a different flavor of my personality, so to speak. But uh, I enjoy those experiences and being able to, to have one foot on either side of the fence. Yeah, the left foot is metal, the right foot is country, and the metal cowboy lands somewhere in between. So you said that you know Steeler started in the late 70s and you know you move out to LA in the 80s, but where were you playing here in town? Like what like obviously I, I was playing music in town here in the 90s. So I mean like and I always heard about the clubs in the 80s, but I don't really know about like late 70s, early 80s. Like Well this what, was uh, 1981 when Steeler was formed. I moved here in 79. Steeler was uh, launched in uh, February of 1981. We played uh, probably a lot of clubs that you haven't heard of that are shut down now. Cantrell's was our first Yeah, gig. Cantrell's, I've heard Flanagan's a lot of Flanagan's at 100 Oaks Mall. Uh, we played the, the sports arena, okay. and we also played the Tennessee Theater. I don't even know if that place is yeah. still around. I don't know about that it was one. A, it was a big 2,000-seat theater in uh, Nashville where we uh, did some big shows. I saw, God, I saw UFO and some of my favorite bands there. We, we, we became the Motley Crew of Nashville, and it was time to move to L.A., but never forgot those Nashville roots. The, the, the Los Angeles story is well documented, how we went out there and climbed our way tooth and nail up through the club scene to, to have bands like Rat and Metallica opening for us right. at the time. So uh, really proud of those accomplishments and uh, just uh, treasuring all those memories and the fans and the friends that have given me the opportunity to live my dream. I always remember hearing about Cantrell's, and there's a lot of you know legendary stories about bands playing Cantrell's. So yeah, that was one that was, predates me by a little bit. But yeah. you know, I, I think by the time I started playing, like Ace of Clubs was open, the Exit Inn was obviously still there. Yeah. 328 Performance Hall, I got the headline there a couple of times, and things like that. But yeah, yeah, the uh, the early days of the Nashville music scene is always fun to listen to. And there was, I mean, in 1979, 80, 81, there was nothing like this in Nashville. I was. Uh, certainly an outcast, an outlaw, and uh, treasured that opportunity to, I, and I don't take credit for it, but to kind of put the rock scene on the map in Nashville. And now, this is Redneck Hollywood, man. All my rock star friends Redneck live Hollywood. here. Well, it's funny. I, I talk about this a lot on the podcast. In the 90s, when I was in high school, uh, we would go to shows, and we would start to look around, and there would be Gunner and Matthew Nelson at yeah. shows and Fred Corey from Cinderella and all the Cinderella guys are here and you're like what is going on like these are the guys that I grew up listening to like as as in my younger days and then now they're here in town because uh, you know everybody came here and you were obviously one of the uh, the purveyors well, of that it's a great vibe it's a, a fantastic music town and the uh, quality of life and the vibrance of the music scene here has always been a part of this uh, Back in the early 80s, wasn't the case. There were no rock bands here except for us. And yeah. like I said, we stood out like a sore thumb and got a lot of attention, and that enabled us to go to LA and make history. You know, I talked about this a few minutes ago, but I didn't want to bring it up on the podcast. But you did the great interview with Garth Brooks um, that, you know, me being, I, I'm sure I've said it on the show a few times, but, you know, Garth Brooks is growing up here in town, hearing stories about, you know, my friends running into him at certain places how great of a guy he is, obviously a fantastic talent and KISS fan at heart and things like yeah. that. And, uh, and and all the places he's gone to, you know, seeing you get to interview him and connect with him in an interview 
was uh, was awesome for me to see. It was awesome for me, man. I, obviously, a dream come true interviewing for my radio show the biggest selling solo artist of all time, and some uh, not a guy a guy that I'm a fan of. I mean, I uh, I saw Garth Brooks uh, New Year's Eve 1991, I think, and that was what convinced me that country was cool. Yeah. Or they're they're smashing guitars and he's <laughs> swinging from a rope and there's pyro and it's high energy. And uh, that that to me really resonated kind of like the Beatles on Ed Sullivan in 1964 when you see something that changes your life like that, like Garth did for me. The next day, I, I devoted myself to country music and thought, I want to sink myself into this art form. I want to learn about it. I want to play it. My dad also was a huge influence. He played with Hank Sr., oh, nice. Ernest Tubb. My dad was a country musician when he was young and uh, raised me with that. Merle Haggard, Johnny Cash, all that old school country. So I heard it. I, it, it didn't really resonate within me until I grew up and was bankrupt, got divorced, went to jail, <laughs> got my ass kicked, and now all of a sudden it makes sense. Right. Well, that's the one thing growing up here because you would go out and not only, you know, you go see shows and Nelson's there, but also you go out to a bar and little Jimmy Dickens is at the bar and he's oh, telling yeah. you stories. And, um, you know, we're right next to the Ernest Tubb or the, uh, the, the uh, Midnight Jamboree where, the, you know, the Ernest Tubb and the Texas Troubadours and everyone's, all of my friends' dads were in Ernest Tubb's band or in the Oak Ridge Boys or in all. So you're just, it's a, you just grow up in it and it's, uh, it, it's always been a fun you know, fun place to be in growing up in I that mean, in that era. There, there's a lot of common ground there with country and hard rock, and I mean, really, when it comes down to it, it's all songs about chasing girls and drinking. Right, you know I mean? <laughs> that's all we need. <laughs> well, that's cool, man. Um, I know it's been documented pretty well, but like just for listeners here, I just actually just had Tom Hazard sit down with me. Uh, you know, he signed my band years and years ago. I know he's he's uh, signed you guys to right. to uh, to EMP's uh, what is it, Outlaw Country. Uh, EMP imprint. Outlaw, the and, new yeah. uh, imprint on EMP Label Group with David Elfson, of course, from Megadeth, and Tom Hazart, uh, our uh, commander-in-chief. Love those guys and appreciate the opportunity they've given me, and they embraced what I'm doing now, as opposed to some of the other labels that may have wanted a new Keel album or want me to live in the past or re just kind of revisit what I used to do. i got to live in the now, man. i got to be who I am. i got to write songs that I identify with songs that, uh, that that speak to me mm -hmm. and hope that everybody will listen and enjoy it i've sold three million records man that means there's billions of people that don't like what i do or don't want to hear it so <laughs> i get that i'm not trying to please everybody i'm right. trying to please myself and those fans who maybe give it a listen and maybe it will strike a chord in your heart and you'll hear songs that uh say something to you in your life and just really happy for the opportunity with EMP, man. This new album, Fight Like a Band, coming out in January on EMP, is going to be one of the best things I've ever done. Let's end off with uh, with one last thing, and, and the one one thing, obviously, with your your past and listening to, like I told you earlier, you know, anytime you pop up on a podcast, I listen, obviously, great stories and things like that. Um, you know, bringing Ingve to America for the Steeler Records. Um, you know, what, one quick maybe a story about, you know, an early Ingve uh, story. Well, I heard Ingve play on a cassette tape at Mike Varney's house in uh, 1983 and really thought that he, was, he had something special, and he did. And I thought he would reinvent the guitar like Randy Rhodes or Edward Van Halen or Eric Clapton. 
and uh, the collaboration did not work out, <laughs> but still it, it launched both of our careers. He went on to have his success, I went on to have mine, but uh, certainly the guy was all music, man. He'd wake up in the morning before he even opened his eyes. He'd reach out to his right, grab a Strat, pull it into bed with him, and the left hand starts playing. And then with his right hand, he'd lift himself out of bed, eyes open, and he's still playing. <laughs> and he goes to the kitchen counter. Left hand's playing while the right hand's pouring cereal into the bowl. And then he pours milk into the bowl. He's still playing with his left hand. Then he starts eating the cereal with his right hand. Guy never stopped playing. I certainly respect and admire that. It didn't work out, but uh, and my biggest regret is that we're not still friends, at least, or at least stay in touch. I, I, I value the friendships and relationships yeah, yeah. of my life, and that relationship with Ingve is it, obviously you just asked about it. It's going to be something that I'll never escape. Not that I want to escape it, but I wish we could just say, "Hey, man," and have a handshake and a hug, and you know, laugh and smile about the good times and and what got us both started. And let's end this off with a song. So, what song would you like us to play? Something from your catalog? Man, I would like to uh, end with the uh, lead track off the Metal Cowboy Reloaded CD. This is called My Bad, and this is, if, if there's one song that captures what the Metal Cowboy is all about, it's this one. It's hard and heavy, tells a story, and, and sings what I feel. It's called My Bad from Metal Cowboy Reloaded on EMP Records.
right, huge thank you to Ron Keel for coming on the podcast. He he buttered me up. That's all I have to say is when uh, we were talking, he was like, uh, you know, you're one of the big boys here. And I'm like, well, if you if you know who I am and you know what's, what this show is all about, you are welcome to come on. So Ron and I sat down for a good 15 minutes like everybody else on these Rock and Pod Expo uh, interviews and had a good time talking. So that does it for the Ron Keel episode. I will put out the Kenny Olsen with special co-host Jeremy Owsley tomorrow. We're talking all about Devil Without a Cause that just turned 20 years old. And then this coming Thursday is the three-year anniversary of the Talk To Me podcast with friend of the show. Now I can say friend of the show, Glenn Benton of Deicide. Kind of the guy that put the show on the map. So it's kind of cool to have him on for the three-year anniversary So I will talk to you guys three times this week, three episodes for you. Thank you guys for checking out the podcast each and every week. Make sure you're telling a buddy, tell a friend, share an episode, spread the word, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow.